Amen. The Lord is up to something. Like the song says, if it's not good, it's not over. Because <laughs> it will work out for our good. Oh, my goodness. I, get, I know why he's like, yeah, what do we do next? Like, we just stop right here. We just stop right here. I know why the disciples are like, God, can we, Jesus, can we make three tabernacles here? Can we just stop and worship? Uh, um, I just want to talk to you from my heart today, but before we do, um, we're going to do something really special. Um, I would like for Hank and Ashley to come up, and I would like for some of the youth that are in the room to come up as well. Um, yeah, why don't you give Hank and Ashley a hand, <laughs> and we're going to come right here, dead center, right? Maybe, maybe you should come up here, maybe easier to see. Yeah, thank you, sir. Amen. We have, uh, if, as you can tell, we've been building things from the ground up. We've been starting over in a lot of things. How many have been here for a long time? And, and we relaunched our nursery, and, and Jess took the nursery and made it beautiful. Hello? <laughs> if you haven't seen how the nursery operates... It functions at a high capacity. The kids love it. They come home talking about Jesus, and we rebuilt the nursery, and Jess was right in the middle of that. We are right in the middle of Matt rebuilding the whole kids' ministry, right? He's in the middle of that. He's doing an amazing job, and our kids are becoming empowered, and they're becoming used, and our teens are helping serve in the kids' ministry, and it's a beautiful thing that Matt and the kids are doing. Amen? Now, we're going to launch our youth ministry. Amen? <laughs> yes. Hank and Ashley have accepted to take on the role to be the youth pastors of this house, to be the fathers and mothers that our young people need. And I wanted to commission them today. And in the Bible, um, Moses began to get overwhelmed with the daily task of leading Israel. And he says, I, I need help. And God says, once you find 70 men, and we're going to say men and women, who who are faithful people, who are full of wisdom and full of the Spirit of God, and we want you to lay hands on them, and we, I'm going to take the Spirit that's upon you or the vision that's upon you for this moment, and we're going to have it on them as well so that we all carry the weight together. And that's what God's doing here. We're building an actual staff at Firelife. It's been a slow process, but this is the fun part where we get to build for the future. And so today I'd like for you, and young people, I'd like for you to come up here and lay your hands on Hank and Ashley, and we're going to ask for the fire of God. Come on, yeah, come on around in the back or the front, whichever. And I want you, would you just stretch your hand toward them? And this is where we're going to pray, that God would take the spirit that he has for this house and the vision for this house that he would put upon Hank and Ashley. God, we thank you for these servants. I thank you for the calling that's upon their life. I thank you because they are ministers of the gospel. And God, we thank you that they said yes to serve. I ask that you would bless their yes. <laughs> I ask that this would be a rewarding thing for them in every way, God, for their family, for their marriage, for their personal relationships, and what they build in this youth ministry. God, we ask that they would be firebrands, mm. that they would stir the fire inside of our young people, that they would build a prayer movement in our young people. I'm going to pause my prayer. Hank was like, well, what do you want us to do? I was like, look, I, I want you to help teach our kids how to touch God. I want you to help 
help our kids know how to pray. Now, if you don't know Hank and Ashley for more than 10 years, Hank and Ashley, Hank especially has been involved in a prayer ministry for over 10 years of how to call and cry out to God, leading people in prayer in Arlington. They, it's, a, it's a prayer house that he's been part of, and they have a passion to see prayer movements start. And so I want you, I was like, Hank, I want you and Ashley, I want y'all to teach our kids how to pray. I want you to teach them how to create atmospheric shifts and, and, and to change political environments and cities. And so that's what they're, they're going to do. And I believe that. So God, we thank you for that. And we say, yes, <laughs> we're putting first things first. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom, fire, come on. Fruitfulness. God, may they have an ability to give identity to young people. May they have an ability to dust off identity and to bring it to the surface in every young person that they touch, that our young people will no longer have an identity crisis. Well, they all know who they are <laughs> and what you want them to be and who you've called them to be. We bless Hank and Ashley. We bless their children. Yeah, there's a blessing that comes on the children when their parents say yes. So we speak a blessing over Sammy and, and Rosie and Ruby. When their parents say yes, there's a blessing that flows down, and we bless them as well. In Jesus' name, <laughs> amen. Yeah, thank you, man. Love you. Yeah. Do you want to say anything at all? Yeah, I guess, I mean, that's, it, there's, it's, uh, it's it's we're super thankful. We're super thankful we get to do this, and and it's uh, just to get the chance to pour into these kids. I was telling the kids earlier. We did our first youth group uh, meeting earlier, and um, I wanted to be like like all the years of life that we've pursued in the Lord. It, it would be they would get it in like a couple weeks or something, you know, I mean, just, just trampoline, like double bounce trampoline off of it and then run with it. And so we were incredibly excited. The Lord's doing some cool stuff with this and it gets just kind of a blind side. We're like, okay, we'll pray about it. All of a sudden he starts to just, just do amazing things and leading us and guiding us in this. We're so excited to pour into these kids. So anything, anything good? Yeah. So thank you. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. So add them to your prayer list. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, in the next few weeks, we're going to be revealing like all the staff. We've, we've, we've been operating on a volunteer servant leadership staff for years since, since I've been here. And even at the bridge, we've all, and this is, we actually have staff people that are called to ministry. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to begin to introduce these to you and explain to them what their, what their boundaries, what their role is, so that you know who to go to to get your needs met in this church. You have a young person and you have a need with your young person. Hank and Ashley are who you go to first. Is this okay? You have needs in this church for your children. Uh, Jess in the nursery and Matt and the kids from, you know, older than the nursery age. They're who you go to to ask and say, hey, I have needs with my kids. Will you help meet these needs? That's who you go to. If you have needs in worship, you go to Kyle. We'll explain it all in the future. But God is putting things in place very specifically. He's built things um, like not as fast as I would want. Like, I, like, can we do the little bewitch thing and just twinkle our nose and it'd be done and we can move forward? And the Lord's like, that's not how I build things. I build things from the ground up. I build things with deep roots, deep foundations, and I build them slowly so that they last for a long time. And I don't want to be a weed. 
that shoots up overnight. You're like, oh, wow, hey, where's, where'd this church come from? And then it's gone in five years. I don't want that. I want to be strong. I want to have a strong foundation. I want to be here for years. And I want our generations to, to come up through this church, and then our kids lead this, and then their, our, their kids lead this. That's what I want. That's what God's been doing. And so I'm excited about where we are. Um, I... <laughs> I have so many things in my head, so this is, I'm not going to go into all of them. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to discipline my thoughts, my ADD. I have spiritual ADD. My head just goes everywhere. Um, But the Lord wants to, first things first. Would you say that with me, first things first? First things first. And like the Lord's giving me downloads. Let me just say, man, when the worship team just plays music, I love all of it, but when they just stop and they're just playing music, there's something different about it. I don't know. I, I sat there. I was just like, I'm in the glory. Like before service, I was in the middle of, of with the kids and with Levi and this and that, and I heard them just playing music, and I walked in. I was like, that's it right there. That atmosphere, that's what, that's what we, we need. That's what we long for, and God's doing something, and if I closed my eyes today, I could just feel the glory all around. And then when, when Shagun began to talk and began to pray, I felt something shift, like he said, in the atmosphere, something, something broke. And God is doing something. Like, I, I, I want you to take the lid off of what you think he can do in your family, in yourself, and in the church. I really do. I want to lift the lid. Something's happening. I, I heard the, the Lord gave me an answer. I asked him. He said, ask the Lord for something. I asked the Lord for something specific. And the Lord said, okay. And I was like, oh, okay. He says, yeah, but you're not ready yet. <laughs> you don't even know what you're asking for, but you're getting it. Like, it's here. I was like, oh. I was like, Lord, I want a revival church. Amen. I, I don't mean a church that has lots of meetings. I don't mean a church that, that we call it revival because there's lots of people there. Or people know our name. That's not what I mean. I mean a revival church where people get set free. Mandy, man, she nailed it to open service. With the Spirit of the Lord, there's this freedom, there's liberty. Shagun's been opening with that the last few weeks. There's liberty, there's something. And so that's what I mean. Revival Church, there's freedom, there's salvations, where we see people saved, not just in the church meeting, but all throughout the week. Oh, my goodness, that we prophesy over people every chance we get. If, if I've, been, I've been doing this lately, all right? This is becoming something that I'm, I'm going to do it whether I feel it or not. If someone comes to my house to fix something, before they leave, I'm going to prophesy over them. I don't care if they believe in Jesus or think I'm weird or not. I'm going to do it. And, and I had the greatest response this week. It was very cool. Very cool response. And, and I felt the Lord all over it. Just, we got to do this outside of the church. I want to be a revival church. I want to see people saved. I want to see people healed, literally healed, inside and out. We're going to see people healed from mental illness in the church. We're going to see people that are troubled, set free and delivered from torment. Do you know someone that's tormented right now in their mind? Anyone in the room or if you're raise your hand. 
You know someone that's tormented. Right now, Jesus, we send your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would go right now and ease the torment of their minds right now. We ask that the demons would be uh, released from them and removed from them never to come back in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would take their place, that you would begin to counsel them instead of the demons. That, That peace would begin to counsel them instead of fear and torment in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to be a house where people are raised from the dead. I mean, literally and spiritually and marriages being raised from the dead. That's what I want to see because resurrection power lives in every one of us. Not just one or two of us. Like the, the stage is not the main thing at Fire Life. Listen to me. The stage is not the thing. The stage will kill what God wants to do here. If everything comes from the stage, then it'll, it'll stay as it is. It won't go any further. But if we all begin to take the flame that's on us, man, the Holy Spirit was set upon each of them as a flame. If you'll take that flame and go in that anointing, go in that presence, there's no limit to what God will do in us. I mean it. I'm telling you. And God is telling us, I heard a testimony, and, and so I'm going to close in a really strange place. We're going to repent today. Actually, it's not strange. If we don't know what to do, repent. (laughs) If if I don't know what to do, Lord, I don't know where to go. It's safe to just say, well, I probably should repent. I don't know what what from. Lord, show me. I should repent. Amen. But we're going to repent today as a church. And I'm going to tell you a story I heard this week um, on on a Zoom call. Someone gave a testimony. And they said they were part of a church. And the church began to slowly die. And they were part of it, and they're like, why? What, why is this church diminishing? What is going on? And this, the church didn't, didn't just slowly die. It actually f- died. And they're like, Lord, what happened? He said, now here's, listen to me. He said, they stopped seeking me in the altars. Come on. Wow. Yes. They stopped having an altar. They stopped having an altar service. Yeah. Oh, Rodney and I have talked about this a lot. Like, if there's one thing that, that we cannot leave, it's the altar. I mean, if we're not praying for each other and, and things happening here in the altar during, I don't care if it's at the end of service or the middle of service, if there's not an altar in this place where you get prayed for and you get changed and your heart gets healed and you pray for someone and you prophesy over them, if there's not a place where we cry out to God and recognize our need for him, then we are, we're, what are we doing? And we have to put the altar at the center. The altar is a sacrifice. That's why we get away from it in the church. That's why we, and I'm not just talking about the altar at Fire Life in this room. I'm talking about every one of us having a personal altar, a personal place of sacrifice. It costs us something. And that's why we get away from it, because it costs a lot. We have to build it exactly the way the Lord tells us to build it. Well, that's not any fun. I have, to, I have to have exactly the right kind of wood and the right kind uh, of, of dimensions for this altar. And then I have to bring him a specific sacrifice that pleases him, that he asked for. I can't just bring him any sacrifice and say, oh, here's your sacrifice. Like, it's very specific here. I have to bring him a sacrifice that he asks for on an altar built according to the specifications he gives, or it's not his altar. In, in uh, Numbers, actually, I'm not going to 
re- be able to read it for time. It's a pretty long story, but it's actually in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 31, this is when God invites Moses up to the mountain and he's giving him the Ten Commandments. And he's writing them on, and he's writing them on stone and he's giving them to Moses. And as Moses is up there, the people got impatient. They're like, why is it taking him so long? We didn't want to go up there with him. So we're going to sit down here and be impatient that he's taking so long. So they gathered everyone together like, hey, he's taking too long. We don't know what's going on here. But we're, we got to occupy our time. So we're going to do something. So guess what they did? They said, hey, take all your earrings. Take off all your necklaces, all your jewelry. We're going to throw it in this fire, and we're going to build an altar. And he built a golden calf. And he goes, hey, this is your God. He says this in front of all of Israel. This is Aaron. This isn't just some, some random guy in the tribe of Israel. This is Aaron. He's the, he's the one of the ones that was holding up Moses' hands, right? Aaron? <laughs> Y'all remember? This guy. He was like, hey, yeah, we, it's the Old Testament. I haven't read that one in a while. We should. There's some good stuff in there. This man tells them, bring all your earrings. This is Exodus 32, verse 3. So the people broke off their gold earrings, and they brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool. He took time and crafted this until it was a molded calf. And then they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And they begin to worship. While Moses is up talking to God face to face, an invitation that they all had and said no to, And while he's up there talking to God face to face, they're down there having a party, building an altar to a false idol and worshiping it and saying it's what brought them out of Egypt. It's the thing that delivered them from bondage. It's their God. And they begin to worship it. And Moses was angry. He was so angry that he actually broke the tablets. And he was like, God, we got to do something with these people. And God's like, yeah, we got to do something with these people. And then Moses is like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'll be out of a job if you do something with all these people. Wait a second. If you destroy them like we deserve right now, then what are all the other nations going to save? Did he just lead them out of Egypt so that he could kill them? You don't want that reputation, God. And so Moses moved God's heart to compassion. But the point of all of this is... If we don't have the altar at the center built exactly the way he said to build it, with the products he said to build it with, with the sacrifice that we bring to it according to his specifications, then we will go somewhere else and we'll build altars to other things 
and we'll build idols and we'll begin to worship them. And you'll be like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm worshiping this thing or I don't know how I'm worshiping money or I don't know how I'm worshiping um, safety or I don't know how I'm worshiping sports or entertainment or uh, whatever else we've put in our life as idols that we worship and we bow down to. And it always happens when we don't have the, uh, the altar at the center of our life. Yeah, and every one of us, I want the revival church. Yeah. We, we, are, we are a revival church. It's in our DNA. Like, I, I've seen too much. Don't tell me he can't do it, right? Like, we've all experienced together too much. I've seen demons cast out of people. I've been puked on more times than I can count by demons coming out. You're like, oh, that's so gross. You're telling me I'm a germ. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. I'm a little Howie Mandel-esque, you know, that's just, I remember, hey, bring the buckets. I remember having to restrain people so they wouldn't hurt themselves. I remember even at the bridge, some girl doing stuff I have never seen anyone able to do with their body as demons were all over her. I've seen it. I've seen people healed. I've seen growths fall off. We, in, we've seen growths fall off at Family Worship Center over at our other location. Growths fall off of people. We've seen. There was a, the story of my, my dad. I remember this when I was younger. Prayed for a man who, had a, who was blind. Prayed for him and he could see. But the greatest miracle was he didn't actually have an eye. He had a false prosthetic eye. It was like a marble, literally. And he could see. Like, I've, I've, been, I've seen people be able to hear. I, I've, I remember destroying my knee playing Foursquare, and Lance came over and barely touched me. You were there. He just, I mean, I had something sticking out of my leg that shouldn't have been sticking out, and I was in pain, and it was swelling up. And Lance just, he didn't grab, he barely even touched me. He even still prays the same way. He just barely touched, and he prayed, and it shrunk in front of everyone watching, and we went back and played Foursquare. Like, we've seen this stuff. So we're a revival church. Y'all remember us ever running around the church? <laughs> Debbie usually led the march. <laughs> That's right. Do y'all remember ever running out of the doors of the church and running around the, the, the what was it, a, a Hindu temple that had just been built? And we we're like, oh, not in our neighborhood. And we we're running out on a Sunday night praying for that. <laughs> How many have seen people saved? They never were going to get saved. Like, okay, God, I know you can save everyone, but this guy, not sure about it. He, he's got to be close to the impossible range, right? Marriages. Yeah. Oh, they've been through too much. There's no way they're going to be able to survive this. And they look around. People that couldn't have children have children. People with families stuck on another continent. And they're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to get them over here, get them home. God brings them home. I remember the Egg Belly family was one of the first big miracles of that. I remember when I was a teenager. I remember that praying for that. God, don't tell me he can't do it, right? We've seen, we've experienced it. How many have seen the drug addict set free? Like you've seen it. 
Come on, Debbie was one. Man, you should, you should know Debbie's testimony. You don't know it? She'll give you a, a, a minute version of it if, today if you want to know it. <sighs> Amazing testimony. Hmm. We're a revival church. We've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen people thrown under the power of God's presence. I, I remember I used to be one of those people, like, I had never been slain in the Spirit. I thought there was something wrong with me. Like, why? Like, first of all, I was a little bit like this. So I always had the little skepticism, like, I'm, I, you're not pushing me down. So I had a little attitude a little bit. So maybe that had something to do with, like, I'm not resting. This guy ain't pushing me down. She ain't pushing. And so I went through this whole thing. I was like, man, everyone, poof, they're all around me falling down in the presence of God. No one's touching them. They're just, and here I am, like, I'm standing, you know. All right, I'll lift my hands and worship, pretend you're touching me or something. And I didn't know. And then one day, I, I think it was Jesse Norwood. Anyone remember him? What a crazy blast from the past. Amazing um, African-American prophet and preacher of the gospel. And I was at the back aisle, and he was standing at the front. It was, it was quite a bit further than this, back at the old FWC. And he stepped out, and he pointed his finger at me in the aisle. And I thought he was going to prophesy all my sin to everybody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, please, Jesse, don't prophesy over me. Go to someone else. And when he pointed his finger at me, boom, I fell under the power of God. And I was like, oh, my goodness. How many of you ever felt the presence of God like that? Oh, man. I remember meetings where, where, where we locked the doors and the, the lights were out, and there were still people in the altars praying, laying around, receiving a touch from God. How many times, how many of you have seen people who lost their job and God opened a door for them? How many are one of those people? Like, you had no way. How's this going to happen? And God delivered you. We've seen him do it. We're a revival church. Things happen here. Things happen here. Amen? Amen. But they happen here because the altar was always the center. That's why. The altar. Like, pfft. It didn't matter how long we preached. It didn't matter if we went past 12 o'clock. We got an altar meeting. Like, yeah, we know you need to go get your kids. Go get them and bring them to the altar. We can't leave these things. The day we leave the altar is the day we die as a church. Oh, we may still meet as a club. And it still may be fun to get together, and we may still feel like, oh, God's so happy and proud of us. But deep down, unless the altar's there, we know better. And how can we ask for the fire of God to fall upon us if we don't have an altar? Now listen to me. I don't mean we throw something together and call it an altar. I don't mean we just, oh, well, we're going to put it at the end of service. We're going to make, um, I mean we make an altar. This is a holy place. God, how do you want us to do it? Okay, we're going to do it exactly like that. Okay, what do you want from me today, God? What sacrifice do I need to bring to you? He'll tell us. And every week, we all need the altar. I remember <laughs> I was raised like this, and I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. I was raised like this. It doesn't matter if you think you should go to the altar or not, you go to the altar. 
You're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I got enough Jesus. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. No, we don't. I'm fine. It's like, that's like me going to uh, the Brazilian steakhouse and not flipping it over to green. That's not ever going to happen. Yes, I want more steak. It stays, I don't even need the red side. Just keep bringing me steak. That's how we should be. <laughs> don't bring me that lamb. I want the steak. <laughs> we should always, I don't know, I need something from you. Or I need you to do something in me. I, I, I just need you. I need at least to make space for you. Maybe there's something on your mind that I haven't even thought of yet. Ooh. Maybe you have something for me today that I didn't even think of. How great would it be for us to connect to a God whose ways are higher than our ways and whose agenda for our life is predetermined and it's better than any agenda we could set for ourselves? How about we have him as God? How about we surrender ourselves to him and actually let him be God? Like literally give him control. Like there's something about humility. There's just something about it. I know Chris Valentin, a prophet, has been saying that humility is the way forward. That humility is the way forward. In a time of, of great arrogance all across the planet, in the church, outside the church, in business, in schools, humility is the way forward. Jesus was a man of humility. And because of his humility, God gave him a name above every name. I was, when he was saying, praise him, this is where I went in my head, Philippians 2. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, the most beautiful name. The most beautiful name I know. You're the exalted one. Oh, Jesus, he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And Philippians 2 says that because Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be attained, he humbled himself as a servant, even to death on a cross. And Philippians 2 says that because he did that, God exalted Jesus above everyone and gave him a name above every name, that at his name every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord, the Messiah, to the glory of the Father. That's the Jesus that's the Lord of our life. He's the king. He's the man. And we're putting him back at the center. And we're building an altar for him. Because if we don't do that altar, then we'll have golden calves. Amen. And we'll fall into idolatry. Mm. So you know how this has got to go. I want you to come to the altar. Lance is going to play music. And we're going to pray. God knows what you need. God knows exactly what you need and what I need before we even ask. So come on down right now. This is how we're ending every service. If you need prayer for someone, grab someone down here to pray for you. All right? I believe that we're in a time where God is breaking the back of COVID, so we can, we can pray for each other again, all right? We don't use that as an excuse anymore. You want to wear a mask? Put a mask on. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't offend me. If you've been vaccinated, do whatever you want to do, right? Go for it. But we have to seek the face of God. We have to build an altar because I don't want any idols in my life.
<laughs> Amen. All right, go for it. Let's seek his face. Mm. If you need prayer from someone, find someone close to you. Mandy opened the service with, if we need to repent and confess our sin, confess your sin to someone. Come on, there's remission. There's forgiveness for it. If your spouse is here, confess. There's something that you need to get off your chest. Right now is the time. God, we seek your face. You said, seek my face. 
and our heart says, oh Lord, your face I will seek. We build an altar. We're going to tend the altar. We're going to take care of the altar. We won't leave the altar in, in shambles. We won't put it in a back room. It's going to be right in the center so that everyone can see what you do. It's going to be right in the middle of the room so our kids can know the power of God. The stage is not our altar, God. The stage is not our altar, God. We bring an altar. We build an altar. We sacrifice. That's the altar. We will daily tend the altar. If it begins to wear out, if the wood gets unstable, we'll rebuild it. We'll tend to it. We'll care for it. We'll steward it. And we'll bring you a sacrifice. We'll bring our heart. We lay ourselves down. You're the sacrifice we want. <laughs> we lay ourselves on the altar right now. We belong to you. <laughs> we belong to you, Jesus. And God, as we care for the altar, as we tend to the sacrifice, we know your fire is going to fall. Your fire is going to fall on our lives, God. celebrate the altar. We turn our attention to it. Come on. Unless you and the Lord are in conversation or you're praying for someone, I have one more thing I want to share. So if we took the church model that we have right now, and all of us older people, all of us 40s, 50s, and above, we got out of the way, and we're like, all right, we're gone, we're being put out to pasture, and we ask our kids right now, hey, kids, we want you to do the church, do the church thing, build the church. Sadly, our kids would start with the, the lights. They would start with the stage. We gotta get the music right. We got to get the atmosphere. We got to have a, a trendy building and room. Got to have a cool name and some merchandise. We got a location, location. We got to be in a visible place because if we're not, people won't come. And, and, and these are the things that we've told our kids is the church. But it's not. 
I, I love, I do, I love all of it. Like it's part of it. But it's not, if I ask them to take this and run with it, that's not what I want to hand them. I don't care if we're in a barn with just our voices as long as he shows up. We've got to pass on to our children the things that will keep this thing going. That means we have to begin to celebrate those things now so that the kids, if we, if we, were, if we suddenly disappeared and we came and interviewed our kids and they said, hey, what, what made the church the church? They would be like, the fire of God. They'd be like, the testimony. We noticed that when our parents talked about what Jesus did, he showed up. And, and it's the altar, it's the sacrifice. I want them to know the answers. How do we have that happen? We celebrate it now. We make it the center now. Okay, will you do this with me from here on out? We're gonna put first things first. The things that have to pass on now. It's like the farmers. The big combines don't make farming. They sure make it easier, but it doesn't make farming. You gotta know the seasons. Because what if all this stuff goes away? What's left? Come on. God, we make a commitment as a church, as a family. Yes, yeah, we are a church, but, but you said the church is a family. It's a family of God. So as the Firelife family, I just thought of a cute way we could get around the sign problems here. And <laughs> we're Firelife family. <laughs> we're not a church, we're a family. <laughs> Oh, God, we commit to you that we're going to highlight and celebrate the things that have to remain. <laughs> First things, foundational things, so that one day our kids will know, oh, it's obvious where to start, build an altar. It's obvious. Build an altar, he'll show up sacrifice your life he'll show up surrender he will show up <laughs> ask him he'll show up preach the gospel he'll show up <laughs> preach the gospel he'll show up prophesy he'll show up heal the sick he'll show up mm. God we make a commitment now this is who we are this is who we will be. This is what will leave our children. This is the heritage of those who fear his name. The Lord says to us, we'll never be the same. I heard him say it. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. I mean that you will never be the same. Today, you'll look back and you'll remember, it's going to be May, change your life. <laughs> like Shagun said, it's grace. Grace. Something shifted today. You'll never be the same. Once you say that, God, I agree with you. I will never be the same. We will never be the same. Our families will never be the same. Our church will never be the same. 
Our city will never be the same. Our world will never be the same. We will arise, yeah, and our light will shine. Because you show up. Yeah. Mm. And as you go, I want to commission you to go into the highways, go into the byways, go into your businesses and compel them to come. There's a big banquet coming. There's a giant feast coming. And everyone's invited, but some people don't know. They didn't get the Evite. They don't know. That's happened to us recently. Like, we invited you, but we didn't get the Evite. There are people everywhere that have been invited to sit with their king, and they don't have the invitation yet. So you go, I go. How many say yes to that? Go and compel them. Oh, come on. You can go to church one day a week. Come on. You can come to church with me. Oh, you can't? Well, let's have church right here. Fine. I don't care. We're not here to build a church. He'll show up right here. Mm. It's not by might. Not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O mountain? Before me, you shall become a plain. Because it's not by might, not by power, it's by his spirit. I love you guys. I love what God's doing. I love your families. I love your kids. They make this place alive, man. So let's hand them valuable things to take care of. Amen. Let's pass on the, the precious family jewels, the precious family uh, remembrances. Amen. Let's pass them on. All right. We love you. We bless you. If you didn't get what you came for, stay here till someone prays for you. Amen. I think the buckets are someone if you brought your offering, but we love you. We bless you. Be well. Next week is Mother's Day. Bring 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 someone with you. Am I forgetting something? Yeah, we, we yeah. Yeah, we do have flowers for you, Bimpe, by the way. Happy birthday. We Mandy gave you the card, but they're Matthias, the gentleman's going to bring you the flowers. Bimpe, we love you. You're awesome. We honor you too. Amen. The princess. She's the princess of fire life. <laughs> she is. We honor you. We bless you. We love you. <laughs> she keeps us in line. We love you. We bless you. Be well. Amen. Amen.